Welcome everybody to Wednesday the 28th. This is the fifth best movie podcast. This is the podcast where Aaron and I, we go see what movie came in fifth in the previous weekend's box office results. We go watch that movie, we come back here, and then we have a good old time we podcast about it. So if it's a good movie, if it's a bad movie, if it's a new movie, if it's an old movie, if we have to see the same movie again two weeks in a row, we'll do it. So please join us now on the cinematic roller coaster we call the fifth best movie podcast. My name is John. I'm Aaron. And this week, we had a grand old time visiting a uh, just a virtual world of video games, didn't we, Aaron? Yeah, we saw Tomb Raider. It was a, it was a movie about a video game, The Tomb. And how it got rated. Yeah. There's a woman named Lara Croft. I don't know if you've heard of her. Mm. Personally, me, I have not. And I was excited to get to know her. Sarcasm. This is a, a franchise that's been around for a little bit. And people are familiar with it. It's in video games. It, it, they have video games of it. It's, it's been around. And uh, we'll tell you guys what we think about it. But first, got to talk about what came in 1 through 5 from the previous weekend. Do you want me to hop into that, Aaron? Yeah, you don't need my permission. Mm, okay, here we go. Number 1 was Pacific Rim Uprising. Number 2, Black Panther. Number 3, I Can Only Imagine. Number 4, Sherlock Gnomes. Number 5, Tomb Raider. Um, Aaron beat me this week. Um, he had, with his <coughs> predictions from last podcast, last week, he put Pacific Rim at number one, which is correct. Black Panther at number two, which is correct. Sherlock Gnomes, Tomb Raider, and then A Wrinkle in Time. I put Pacific Rim number one, and then I said, you know what? I hate logic. And then I put Sherlock Gnomes at number two, because I thought I thought it was going to be a, uh, a big upset. It was not. It got seven mil less than, um... Black Panther. Then I put Black Panther. Then I put Tomb Raider. Then I can only imagine. Um, I really swang and missed. But the good news is here. You swang. <laughs> I, sw- I swang. You swang at him. <laughs> um, shout out to Shane McCabe. I uh, I had all five movies in there. They were just all scrambled around. Okay. Um, is there anything you want to talk about with these? Or should we just move on into uh, some stats on... Uh, well, I think, Tomb. as predicted, Pacific Rim ended up being the movie that finally knocked Black Panther off number one. Uh, so that's significant. It was still a huge weekend for uh, for Black Panther, yep. continuing its historic run. Uh, the other big story, I think, is I can only imagine having a second week at number three, Yep. Uh, which is really, I think, better than most people predicted. Uh, we'll see how it continues to hold on might be one we have to find a way to go see um i can only imagine dropped only 20 percent of its previous weekend's revenue because it gained it like they added theaters to it and so yeah we'll definitely see what happens this next one and then we have predictions later and we'll tell you guys what we think of the next weekend but on to the uh room tater you want to do that oh yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) took me a second um found a tater in my room Yes, our feature uh, presentation this week. Tomb Raider, that was a movie. Tell us some stats. Uh, I got 49% on the tomato meter, which breaks our our two-week guaranteed fresh streak. It got a 65% audience score, and on IMDb, it received a 6.8 out of 10. Um, Am I I allowed to be bugged by the fact that you keep calling it guaranteed fresh versus certified fresh? That's the only time. That's the second time I've said that. Oh, you were doing it all last week. I listened to the podcast. I guess you're allowed to be bugged by it or bugged by it. All right. Hey, you don't need my permission. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, 
I like how saying that breaks our streak is like I actually that's not newsworthy at all. We normally get the lemons. Yeah, no, I mean that's the whole idea is that one week we're watching something we really like, the next week we're not. Yeah. Uh, but that's not to say that we hated this film. I think there were some elements that we enjoyed. Totally. Um, what did the audience think of it? 65%. Nice. Okay, then. Um, how much money did it make? So this weekend, it uh, brought in 10, 10 mil, overall 41 mil. It's it's not going to break even. I don't know. I Again, I don't know about international, but with just domestic, I don't know. Starring Alicia Vikander, uh, ex Machina, right? Yeah, I think I think she would pronounce it Alicia, but I'm not sure about that. Okay, uh, Dominic West as her father, Walton Goggins. Yep. I had never, I did not know that was his name, but I I knew he was in a couple other films. Yeah, like uh, like Hateful Eight, right? That's right. <laughs> and then let me that's, just... That's the movie that we've seen him in. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. <laughs> Except for a half an hour of it. I promise you, I didn't, I didn't watch it that long. I popped in and went back into my room. All right. I need to watch it. Just, to, just so we can put this to bed. Uh, Daniel Wu. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. I don't know a lot of these names. There really weren't even that many characters in the movie. Nick Frost was in it at one point. That's right. <laughs> the whole like the whole uh, the whole theater started cracking up when he came. Maybe it was just us four who started cracking up when he came on the screen. But just he's yeah, one of those I don't people. Know if most people recognize who he is at this point. That's a bummer. Um, I mean, he's definitely few, like we're a few years removed from his big movies. Yeah, it reminded me of when we saw Hannibal Burris in just a couple of movies and it just cracked us up he was in spider-man right yeah he was, like he was. The gym he was teacher. The gym teacher it's fucking funny okay um, yeah i think this is more in the vein of of his appearance of hannibal versus appearance in baywatch where yeah. you're seeing a funny person in a movie where they're really kind of sticking out and you just want them to be funnier and kind of redeem the movie yeah okay yeah you're kind of i know what you mean do you want to hop into the uh, summary? Uh, what if I said no? <laughs> what would you do? I would wing it from uh, memory. All right. Well, I will yes and you on this. That's my choice. Uh, yes and let. why don't you start? <laughs> Good improv skills and tactics. Following the disappearance of her father, Richard Croft, Laura Croft makes a living as a bike courier. When she is arrested after a bike accident involving a police car, Richard's business partner, Anna Miller posts her bail and warns her that if she does not claim her inheritance, her father's estate will be sold off. What did you think of that bike scene? Well, it started off doing that thing that shitty movies do where they, they use a like a very popular pop, just a famous song in the region to just transition and kind of distract you for a little bit while they just introduce the next scene, which I hate. And they didn't do that later in the movie, but I started doing it here. And I just immediately was saying, oh, it's going to be one of these movies. And that fit really well with the bike courier scene because it was so out of left field. Yeah, I think it was really weird. Like, you know that the movie is Tomb Raider. And so even it, even though I thought that the scene was, like, mildly well done, like, pretty well executed in terms of the, the action uh, right. of it, it was just like, she's not... She's not going to be biking when she's raiding tombs. This, yeah. I mean, you're demonstrating her kind of like uh, her skills as, as like a, a hunter and um, 
You know what I mean? Just like yeah. she's skilled at like evading people and like. I think it was just to show. I think it was just to show that she's scrappy or she's tenacious. I don't know. She has endurance. Yeah. Well, she uses the skills of like um, how to how to like not get caught when you're being chased. Yeah. She uses that a lot in the movie, right. but never within the context of bicycles. Good. It all because like all the other stuff that um, she does the beginning of the movie kind of correlates to later in the movie. You're right. We Every see scene. her doing archery. We see her kind of parkouring it a bit. Uh, we see her doing some MMA training. Yep. All the all your typical Lara Croft stuff, I guess, except shooting guns. She doesn't really do that until later on, and only a little bit. I don't think she shoots a single weapon or fires a single firearm. Really? I don't okay, think maybe so. not. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff about her character that confused me at first. Um, I okay. So to answer your question, I didn't like it. <clears throat> Laura reluctantly accepts and gains access to her father's office, but she doesn't sign the papers. Did that bug you at all, or did you think, oh, this is part of the story? No, I didn't. I didn't care. Honestly, I just thought it was like um, the first act of this. Actually, a lot of this movie it was basically Batman Begins. <laughs> And the scene where she walks into into her dad's company was very much out of Batman Begins. Derek Jacoby, yeah. Yeah, he played the Ooh. butler in uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Gladiator. Uh, he says, well, you need to, technically you need to sign the papers first. And he hands her this ancient Japanese puzzle. She finds the key and then she uh, enters oh, yeah, her. She really likes puzzles. Yeah, she is a puzzler. Yeah, much like uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. Yep. It's almost like a competition. They would have gotten, gotten along well. <laughs> what a different movie it would have been if they were on the island trying to solve this mystery. Oh, wow. What a game night. But the stakes of the movies were not that far off no. from each other. No. Why didn't he just burn the papers? Anyway, okay. Um... Laura reluctantly accepts and gains office to, access to her father's office. There, she finds a pre-recorded message from Richard detailing his research into Himiko, the mythical queen of Yamatai, who is, is, was said to uh, command the power over life and death. Richard warns Laura to destroy all of his research, but Laura decides not to so she can investigate further. Again, this video that is given to Laura or she finds is like, hey, so if you see this video, I'm probably dead. This is the dive talking. And then... He, he says, the first thing I want you to do is destroy all of my research. Which he should have done immediately if he wanted it gone. Can't argue with that. Laura travels to Hong Kong where she hires Lou Ren, captain of the ship Endurance, to sail into the Devil's Sea to the island of Yamatai. The ship capsizes in a violent storm and Laura is washed ashore where she is knocked unconscious. She is revived by Matthias Vogel, the leader of an expedition to locate Himiko's tomb. The expedition has been funded by a shadowy organization called Trinity that seeks to harness and weaponize Himiko's power. Vogel takes Laura prisoner, claiming that he killed her father and intends to use Richard's research to continue his expedition. I didn't, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that was a lie. I thought that he just thought Richard was dead, but he was lying to Laura. About killing uh, Richard? Yeah. Yeah, well, he said he killed her, or that he killed him in himself. Yeah. And obviously, he couldn't have done that. No, 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 I know that. But, I mean, I, I thought that, why would he lie about that? 
That's a good question. I don't really know. Laura escapes with the help of Lou Wren, who also survived the storm and uh, has been put to work with the local fisherman digging for Himiko's tomb. She evades capture, but is seriously wounded in the process and passes out from her injuries. When does she pass out? I don't know. I, I actually don't remember. <laughs> that is, um, I will say about Lou Wren, we were talking about this. I really liked how the supporting characters and I guess extras... At first, I thought he was just going to be a small character. And normally, when there is a boat crash, and if there's chaos and destruction reigning in a scene, then uh, directors will kill someone just to prove or just to show the view viewers how dangerous the scenario is. But Lou Ren was supply surprisingly competent. And he was whenever Laura yelled, she yelled three times on this boat during this huge storm. She yelled for him to watch out. And he was able to turn around to whatever was coming up, react and get out of the way, which I thought was very refreshing. Normally, you'd see just a giant cable come down and cut him in half, or you'd see a rock smash him against the boat, or he'd just fall overboard and drown. But it was it was it was actually pretty pretty refreshing. Did you agree with that or no? Yeah, I mean, I think he was like a competent character in general. Um, I also think that while they were on the boat, there was a scene where it seemed like they were kind of hinting at them uh like there being a romantic subplot and then it didn't pan out which i was like all right well i'm i was glad that they didn't oh. have that romantic subplot but at the same time why even really like hint at that chemistry the dangerous women just, thing yeah it just yeah. seemed it just seemed like it was kind of distracting from the overall thing that they were doing yeah i agree with that um, this is a good point to kind of talk about the video game elements that the movie introduced in the newest reboot of the Tomb Raider games. If you guys haven't played it, it's a very cinematic themed game in the sense where there's a lot of quick time mini games and there's a, um, a very minimal user interface to make you kind of to immerse you better into this game. Aaron, you played it. I played it a little bit. And uh, they pulled a lot of stuff from the game and put it right into the movie, right? Like the where she's going down the river, where she's climbing on the yeah. There plane. were, I guess, a couple scenes and like the general visual style. Um, a lot of it, I mean, the plot was changed pretty heavily, um, and so you know you won't if you're coming in having played the video game, you'll or vice versa, you'll like get kind of a general arc of what's going on, but. Um, the plot beats are are definitely different, different enough in the two that I was still I was still being surprised by what was going on. But I mean, I'm talking about just like the the I don't want to say gameplay mechanics, but kind of the I felt like they teased to the game a little bit with some of that stuff. They put some Easter eggs in there for the people who played the game, especially with the weapons that we will talk about later, right? Yeah, and the parts where she's kind of sneaking around, tracking yeah. people, doing stealthy stuff, those are all big parts of the game. So I was happy to see them uh, reflected. Did did she have the exact same outfit in the game? Was it was it like a blue tank top and just brown like outdoors pants? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like gray on gray for most of the game because it's like a little bit washed out and gritty and you just get real dirty in the game. Cool, okay. But it was a tank top and pants. Yeah, yeah. She, That's super I mean, cool. they, they definitely take that and all the, all the weapons used are, are directly from the game. That's super cool. Laura regains consciousness after nightfall and is forced 
to kill a Trinity guard where she is nearly discovered. This is another part of the movie where they introduce this baddie. Um, Vogel is like, I'm going to send the hunter after her. And then she kills him in 30 seconds. This is another one. I, I remember the first time I saw this was in one of the Jason Bourne, uh, the Bourne Ultimatum, the Bourne Legacy, the Bourne Legacy with uh, Jeremy Renner. <laughs> the way that the final assassin is introduced is in the same way. And uh, it just flops really hard. Laura, Laura gets hunted down by this guy, kills him, and then she sees her dad. Uh, she follows a mysterious figure wandering the island and discovers that the figure is her father, who, uh, who has himself been held captive on Yamatai. After convincing him that she is real, Richard treats her injuries, and despite his protests, Laura sets off to recover his research from Vogel's camp. Laura makes contact with Lou Ren, and he, along with the fishermen, stage distractions, allowing her to infiltrate the Trinity camp and recover her father's research. In the ensuing chaos, Richard makes his way to the tomb and is captured by Vogel, who persuades Laura to open Himiko's tomb. At this point, were you kind of, where was your mindset? Like, were you just like, okay, here comes another kind of Indiana Jones tomb crawl where they just, there's going to be traps and there's going to be supernatural stuff? Or were you, um, did you not know what to expect? Well, again, going going from the game, it's a little bit different because, um, you know, despite being Tomb Raider, uh, that game, the 2013 iteration, the reboot of the game, uh, this is based on primarily has very little actual tomb raiding in it. Um, it's mostly set kind of in the overworld, in the jungle, and like in these like kind of ramshackle villages and uh, open air ruins. Um, and so, I wasn't I wasn't expecting the tomb to take up you know a third of the movie. Um, but I think it made sense. Like the movie's called Tomb Raider. People definitely would have questioned why it wasn't set, you know, why there wasn't more Tomb Raiding involved in the movie. Um, they're obviously trying to go for a series here. And I think that they did want to give people some of the tomb, but the it's like this jump off points for the series were so undercooked and so underdone that I think they went a little too hard with with the rest of the story. I feel like they could have added more elements of what is to come because all they do is mention Trinity a couple times. And at the end they just say, Oh, also this is happening. Yeah. Honestly, I think they could have just in general stuck a lot closer to the, uh, to the video games plot and been better off for it uh, as well as the tone, you know, the, the tone we'll talk about this later, but the, tone of the video game is overall like pretty gritty and attempts to really kind of have a serious um meditation on the role of violence within the series within the video game itself and you know really show some consequences to it and this movie was trying to have like some elements of that where she's um you have Lara like her first kill is is like brutally drowning this guy in a puddle of mud uh after after like this really savage kind of wrestling match with him uh and she also has to like pull a shard of shrapnel out of her abdomen but then at the same time they're just they're just reeling off kind of goofy one-liners yeah the and those felt like they could have been from the angelina jolie movies 
where yeah. it was just trying to be more um more like kind of of the time because i mean granted those were like that was like early 2000 late 90s early 2000s kind of era like the same as the uh, as the Pierce Brosnan James Bond I was about Bond to say movies, the Bond's mo- Bond where, movies, yeah. Where like action movies had gone to such a cartoonish place um, that they were they were all like that. Yeah. The CGI was was ridiculous. The stunts were like unbelievable, um, and everything was just one-liners. Yep. The party navigates a series of booby traps and locates Himiko's sarcophagus. Two Trinity soldiers attempt to remove her corpse but are become infected by Himiko's quote-unquote power, which is uh, actually a disease so potent that mere physical contact triggers immediate bodily disintegration. Vogel shoots the infected soldier, concluding that he cannot remove Himiko's body, and instead settles for detaching a finger which he seals in a pouch. Uh, in, the con- in the confusion, Laura and Richard uh, overpower the remaining soldiers, though Vogel escapes and Richard becomes infected. Knowing there is no cure, he proposes destroying Himiko's tomb to prevent the virus spreading across the world. And uh, Laura gives chase to Vogel as Richard sets off the bomb, killing himself and sealing the tomb. So again, like people that are familiar with the video game are going to be pretty confused, I think, hearing that because it's quite different. Um, but I don't know. I also think that the supernatural elements of the um, of the video game probably wouldn't have worked as well uh, because you didn't have like ten hours of of uh, gameplay kind of to build up the reveal of the supernatural element. Yeah, and even then in the video game, it's a little bit weak. Like they don't they don't really pull off the reveal as well as say like the Uncharted games do. Right. Laura confronts Vogel and the two fight. Thanks, <laughs> Wikipedia. Laura overpowers him and force feeds him Himiko's finger before kicking him down into a deep chasm just as the infection takes over. She is rescued by Lou Ren and the fisherman, who then commandeer a Trinity helicopter to escape Yamatai. Uh, she returns to London where she formally accepts her inheritance and inadvertently discovers that Trinity's front company is actually owned by Croft, uh, by Croft Holdings. Uh, that's the company that uh, her her father kind of inherited to her. She proceeds to investigate Trinity further uh, among her father's files and begins to suspect that Aunt Anna Miller, uh, the woman who, is, who paid her bail, is one of their agents who manipulated her into accepting her inheritance in order to have Laura sign the control over to Anna, to Anna when Richard Croft stopped uh, cooperating with Trinity. Having witnessed Trinity's ruthlessness firsthand, she prepares for her next adventure to thwart their future plans. And that's the jump-off point for the series, apparently. So the part that I really want to know more about is just what that what that helicopter ride was like. <laughs> yeah, with the Trinity soldiers. Yeah, like what what conversation were they having? God, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about that because I get hijacked... I'm probably going to try and radio back saying something, but apparently they got off. They got away. In the air, you're trying to hijack my helicopter, and I'm assuming no one there knows how to fly the helicopter. I could just start talking to radio, and they're like, stop talking to, stop talking to your Trinity commanders. I'm like, I don't think anyone else can fly this. I feel like they're not going to shoot them. Yeah, no, no one's like... <laughs> I think that's why they didn't show it because they right. Didn't. But also, why why wouldn't 
why wouldn't Lara say like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna put us down at this like abandoned site, and then I'm gonna shoot you uh, both if you don't tell me everything you know about everything you know about Trinity, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like it could there be was a, an opportunity there. It could be a situation like Matthias, who apparently doesn't really know anything about Trinity. Um, you know, where they, they just know what they're told. But still, they're going to have some information. He, they could have gone back to the camp, found some files. Yeah, it, yeah. they they wrap things up so neatly, but at the same time, it's like there, there are so many loose ends. Um, this is kind of the classic example where they didn't know quite what they wanted to do, and they just um, threw stuff out of the wall and see what stuck, honestly. Some of the teasers that we were talking about before, kind of going into general thoughts... They do, like we were talking about, they do nod to the gamers a little bit. They have her bow and arrow. They have her pickaxe. Which I asked, I asked you 20, 30 minutes into the movie when she was on the island. I'm like, where's her pickaxe? And you're like, I don't know. And then, and then when we saw it, like in the, uh, in the tomb, I think both of us were like, nice. Yep. The, uh, the guns that were being used as well were, um, were pretty much the, the same ones that, are used in the game. Very cool. Obviously, she doesn't do the same kind of like uh, Jerry rigging the, because there's like an upgrade system right. with where you collect like tape and sticks and stuff, and somehow that makes your gum better. <laughs> um, and then at the at the end of the movie, she gets the uh, the classic Lara Croft pistols that Angelina Jolie used. Right, the one she's more associated with. The, the, um, from like the older video games. Yeah. What, do you have any general thoughts on this? I'm assuming so. What do you want to talk about? Uh boy. I mean, I think that there was, I think that there was some really strong elements in this movie, uh, especially. I think Alicia Vikander was a good casting choice, and I think she played the role well with what she was given. Um, and I also think that uh, a lot of the action scenes. Uh, were done really well. Yeah. Um, even though the CGI wasn't the best, like you could tell, this wasn't like a top tier budget movie. They didn't they didn't have Marvel level budget, uh, and some of the stuff that they were trying to do, they would have pulled off better, I think, if they did. Yeah. But it was really the writing that dragged the whole thing down for me. Going into this, I think we were expecting to see just a shitty. Looking at the reviews, we, we saw that it got 50%, but we were expecting it to just be kind of a crappy video game movie. I think we were pleasantly surprised when it came to it being a video game movie, but overall, you're totally right. Um, the writing is kind of what dulled it. The only parts that I really got excited for were just the callbacks to the video game. Okay, I will say I'm not totally qualified on this. I don't know the whole backstory. I don't know who Trinity is. I've, I've never really heard of that company is that or that, that organization. Is that in the video game? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're or less so in that specific game. They're kind of the the enemies of the series. They're like the shadow organization. I did not know that, so I, I kind of have a, a, a an invalid point then because I just thought that when he said you can't kill us, we're everywhere, talking about kind of a Hydra situation from Marvel. I was like, okay, guy, but well, I guess is, that, that validates it. It's absolutely generic. You're not wrong thinking that it's a generic thing. I do agree the lead actress was... I, th- I thought she was a fantastic choice. She did a good job. The supporting roles were fine. 
I, I don't know. I didn't get too invested in it. I wasn't too disappointed. I wasn't too impressed. I think yeah, that's just the bottom was, line. It was pretty middle of the road, honestly. We, I like how you and I have kind of a harder time doing this middle of the road stuff. If it's shitty, it's shitty, and we, we talk about it a lot. If it's really good, we love it. But if it's middle of the road, we just kind of do this, yeah, I don't know, and then we kind of move on with our lives. Yeah, and I think that I think that uh, Joey and Vikram, the guys that we were watching the movie with, uh, they were they were reacting to the bad parts a lot more than than I was at least. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Just because I think I think you know we're so used to seeing these movies that you have to like. I I really latch on to the parts of a movie that I like if I can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't having a bad time during the movie really ever. Yeah. Um, even though it wasn't that good. Yeah. No, but, I, I get that. I, when they were entering the tomb, it did get me excited because I do like Indiana Jones, especially Crystal uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I do like just booby trapped in in kind of haunted houses. I think that's just fun, and so I wanted to see what they were gonna do. They and they still kind of disappointed me because it was super linear and the floor falling. Out, I was excited for so much more. I guess I wanted them to do more of a Raiders of the Lost Ark where there's like, you know, oh, the, I, is that. Is that the one you want to reference? I thought you would want to reference your favorite Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's right. I'm making you... You have to stand by this now. I, I didn't challenge you on it. <laughs> I saw it twice and I only remember... I only remember Shia LaBeouf bringing a knife to a gunfight and then the spaceship at the end. That's all I remember of that movie. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. And I was excited for that, but they, they it was... It was, it was boring. Yeah. Okay, do you want to just move into high points and low points? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's start with low point. Uh, my low point of the movie was just how quickly it moved from uh, uh, Lara's like, really kind of brutal, intense scene with her first kill, and then she's instantly... And granted, this transition goes pretty quick in the game as well, um, but she goes from 0 to 60 in terms of her level of comfort with killing people mm-hmm. uh, so fast. Yeah. Literally the next scene, she's she's running around with a bow and arrow and just expertly taking down multiple mercenaries. Yeah. And you think that, in, and you think it, she should have been a little shook more, a little bit longer to cope with the idea of taking someone's life. Yeah, definitely. If, you know, since they were going for that with parts of the movie, just make, make it consistent. Totally. You know, show some of the some of the sort of like tough uh, emotional decision making that she's going to have to make in order to save uh, save the lives of of these innocent people. Yep. Uh, my low point was the fourth or fifth time they used the dad's voiceover of describing who Himiko was and oh, God, the power of the so island. Much. They used it the same sound bites probably four or five times, and it. They, they could have gotten away with just one usage of it because they, they, they need to have faith that the viewers are going to be able to retain that information. But they, they use it at the beginning in the opening crawl. They use it uh, opening title sequence. Uh, they use it in the video that she watches. And then when she's talking to her dad and then at the end too, when uh, she's like putting all the pieces together <laughs> of the mystery. <laughs> and... I groaned aloud. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is bad. 
yeah, it was it was definitely overdone. Uh, what was your high point? Uh, my high point was the scene where she was kind of stalking around the enemy camp. That was so good. Uh, and, like, displaying sort of the stealth mechanics of the video game, um, timing, um, timing her moves and um, silently... So that's how the gameplay kind of goes uh, within the rebooted game series is you're not just relying on your on your guns primarily it's it's more stealth oriented you want to kind of scout things out uh, take out as many enemies as you can silently and then when shit hits the fan then you pull out your guns and uh, and clean up the rest yeah that was a really fun, that was just that was a well done scene I totally agree my high point was either the realization that they, they they deliberately chose to only have tight shots on Walton Goggins because of his huge forehead, or just... They, they just couldn't include his whole forehead in the shot. It's just not an option. It, it, it was unseeable, <laughs> like, in the second half of the movie, because... Um, excuse me, it was unforgettable because it just it just took up the entire fucking frame. Or Nick Nick Frost, I thought he was really funny in it, even though he really was out of place in the movie. Um, I thought he had just a very natural uh, physical comedy, and he was really funny. Okay, would you suggest this movie? Would you recommend this movie to a friend? Uh, honestly, no, no. Just just play the video game first. It's uh, let me look how much, like. It's old enough that you don't really have to have a very nice uh, computer to play it. And let's see what it is on Steam right now. Uh, it's currently on an 85% sale off its normal price of, I assume that'd be $20. You can buy it for $3 right now. That's less, that's less than we play, paid for the movie tickets. And they were discounted movie tickets. Oh man! Yeah, for, what a good game. Okay, and even for full price for twenty dollars, like absolutely, it's worth it. Um, right now, if you're a PS3 or Xbox player, it's around twenty dollars. That's absolutely still worth it. Um, you get over ten hours of gameplay, right? Oh yeah, twenty Like even if you're not, even if video games aren't really your thing i think this is one that you can uh you can definitely enjoy i think it 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 has so many of those cinematic elements uh and great cutscenes and stuff that i think you will get wrapped up in it Play uh that. quick update if you guys buy the uh game of the year edition on amazon you can get it for 16 dollars. so yeah or you can, on Steam, pay $112 to buy the Tomb Raider Collection Bundle uh, to save 30% off all 56 items. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm sorry. This has turned into just, like, us giving giving advertisements. This is now the uh, the shopping hot takes. Um, no, I, I, I think it's a natural progression here. We, we don't want... If you want to go see the movie, go see the movie. If you want to experience Tomb Raider in a more, if in a more compelling way, then play the game. You're gonna get a more unique experience, and you're probably gonna enjoy it more. You'll have much more ownership over it, at least. I don't know. It's it's a lot of fun. So, that's Tomb Raider. I for a video game movie, it was not bad. That's true. There really, I mean, there aren't really very many good ones. 
that we can point to, but this is top half, at the very least, as far as that genre. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about next week. Coming out, Aaron, we have one movie. What is that? Oh, it's Ready Player One, and I am ready for Ready Player One. It <laughs> wasn't good. I didn't commit to the bit. Um, I liked the pause and then the the execution. <laughs> All right, well, I'm glad I've got at least one supporter in this. Um, Always. So we've both read the book. Yep. Uh, both kind of mildly interested in the book, but uh, I know I at least am excited about the opportunity the movie presents. It's got good reviews, not stellar, but generally pretty good. It's at like 82% or oh. something on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. It is certified fresh now. Yeah, my I mean, my hope coming in, uh, which seems to have borne out at least somewhat, is that Steven Spielberg would be able to dig in a little more into the um, the more compelling parts of the universe uh, that was created, uh, because the book operates on such such a like surface level. It totally does. I don't know. I've talked about this movie before, and I don't need to get into it again. I'm nervous. Okay. Um, and that is competing against, in the top five at least, it is competing against Pacific Rim Uprising, Black Panther, I Can Only Imagine, Sherlock Gnomes, and Tomb Raider. Aaron, what the heck do you think is going to happen this week? Well, I've got my predictions right here. Uh, number one, I have Ready Player One. Jumping, uh, or rather holding at number two, I am actually going to put Black Panther. Uh, I think it's going to stay above Pacific Rim Uprising, which is going to fall down to number three. At fourth, I have I Can Only Imagine, and dropping down to fifth, I'm going to say is Sherlock Gnomes. Oh. It, it just feels like destiny. <laughs> uh, there is rarely a chance where Aaron and I get to get to really miss out on seeing real shitty animation. Uh, we don't That's really true. we don't miss them. We we get the bad ones and we miss the no, good yeah, ones. No, yeah, they they pretty much always slide to fifth. Uh, John, what were your predictions for I this have, week? At number one, I have the read pass option. Ready Player One. Aaron already made that joke. I'm stealing it from him. Uh, number two was Pacific Rim. Number three is going to be Black Panther. So I'm shifting both of those down one. Number four is going to be Sherlock Gnomes, and number five is going to be I Can Only Imagine. Differences between Aaron and I, we both have Ready Player One. Uh, him and I have two and three flopped, and then him and I have four and I have four and five flopped. So we're gonna see what happens. Um, this could be devastation for me. I could go down a couple more points here. We're gonna find out. Or current score is two to one in my favor. Correct. Aaron has caught up. I have. Uh, I am for some reason just missing the boat here. With uh, I don't have my my finger on the pulse anymore. So that was Tomb Raider. We suggest it's. I agree with you. It is a good introductory video game. It, it it teaches mechanics really well, and it's not overwhelming. I like that, and I think that's a very good suggestion. Um, okay, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please have an awesome weekend. Um, do you have anything else you want to say to everyone? Nah. Kick ass. Have an awesome week.